Every day is a good day to talk Big East women's basketball, and today Big East beat writer at the next, T. Baker, is here to discuss Paige Becker's health, UConn's foreign tour, the trio of new coaches in the conference, and the new faces people should keep an eye on as the season nears. Ogumbawale for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Thursday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm host Natalie Hevron and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. This is your first time listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. We at The Next have over 100 reported pieces every single month. We have a beat reporter in every single WNBA team. So get that YouTube subscription up. And you can also support us by subscribing to The Next, $9 a month, $72 a year at thenexttubes.com. Now we at The Next Hoops uh, cover women's basketball 24-7, 365. So that includes talking about college basketball in August. Joining me today is T. Baker, uh, the next Big East uh, writer. And we'll be chatting all about the Big East this offseason from Paige Becker's health and UConn's foreign tour to the new head coaches and new players across the conference. So again, joining me today is the next Big East beat writer, T. Baker. So T, as we've discussed a lot offline, UConn is currently in Europe on their foreign tour. And though Paige Beckers isn't playing, she's just been cleared to play. What does that mean for the team after she tore her ECL just over a year ago? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me today. Always happy to talk about Big East, especially in the off season. Um, but yeah, Paige Beckers is back. Some big news out of stores. She has recovered from her ACL surgery um, in about, I think it was like 369 days it took her to return and now she's um, able to play full contact basketball. And like you mentioned, the team is right now in Europe. They're doing a European tour in Croatia, Slovenia, and Italy. And um, they have been really positive since Paige has returned. Um, I had the chance to catch up with the team at the Worth Champion Center, their practice facility on uh, UConn's campus the day that Paige was cleared to play. So there was just really positive energy around the team. Um, I think some trepidatious energy too, knowing that she's been injured two seasons in a row now and just kind of like, you know, getting back on her feet. But people have been really um, excited to see her back. Obviously, she's an incredibly talented player. We know she um, kind of came in as a generational prospect, got player of the year her freshman year, and then was out most of her sophomore and all of her uh, her junior season. But um, in addition to being a great player, she's also the leader for this team. She brings a light energy to the team. Um, you can just tell that, that the vibes are really different when she's there. Um, and, it, and what it means for the team is that they're going to have to figure out how their rotations work now with several guards. They have obviously Nika Mule and, and AZ Fudd returning, but also three incoming freshmen, KK Arnold, Cadence Samuels, and Ashlyn Shade, who are all guards. So they are going to have to figure out how to play with each other. It's a good problem to have all really talented point guards. And um, UConn in this offseason also brought back one of their longtime assistant coaches, Tanya Cardoza, who is a legendary guard herself and has worked with some legendary guards of the of the um, UConn program like Sue Bird. So really excited to have her back and figure out how all these point guards are going to figure out how to play uh, with each other in, in the rotations this season. 
And aside from the travel to Europe, uh, what on-court benefits does a foreign tour have uh, for a team? Well, they get to play four um, exhibition games. Um, and so they're going to play against some professional all-star teams. Um, they've already played three of those matchups. Um, I think, you know, the on-court ability to just play some scrimmages, get some time on the court together is really the benefit. Uh, Gino mentioned that they will not be practicing while they're there. So, um, you know, it will be more about getting that experience of just playing as a team, playing against some professional teams in, in Europe and, and really figuring out what the rotations look out, trying different things in, uh, in advance of the season. And for lack of a better term, I know you wrote about UConn um, before they headed out on the foreign tour what were the vibes around the Yukon team uh before heading to Europe they were super positive I mean we have a squad here that has players who have competed for their respective national teams you know um Aaliyah Edwards played for the Canadian national team went to the Olympics in Tokyo last year um, but also AZ Fudd Paige Beckers even incoming freshman KK Arnold mentioned that they have had the opportunity to play international basketball through USA basketball and there's just an excitement of being able to travel overseas as a team. I think having a team back that's relatively healthy, the past two seasons have been really challenging for the Huskies with um, injuries. And so having the ability to kind of team build in Europe, um, have a full squad that's pretty healthy, led to a pretty positive atmosphere. Um, you know, Gino, head coach Gino Ariyama was cracking jokes with the media as he always does. So the vibes were pretty immaculate in stores um, when I went, and it was good to see after a pretty challenging past two seasons with injuries. Um, and you can't watch the games uh, that are the exhibition games that are taking place, but from the box scores, do you have any takeaways uh, from the games they've played so far? Well, I think the biggest takeaways are they're playing some teams that they are clearly. Um, overmatching, right? They're overpowering them. It's been some pretty lopsided box scores, but the things that I've seen that, that really stick out are AZ Fudd has been just dropping buckets like she usually does. And that's a good sign for UConn. Um, she's struggled with injuries her first two seasons as well. So kind of seeing her in her elite form, I think she dropped 38 points, one of the games. Um, and then what I've been impressed by so far is also freshman KK Arnold. She's a highly um, heralded, you know, incoming point guard and, and a lot of people see her as sort of the heir apparent to Paige Beckers, the next generation of point guard. And she just brings an energy to the team and has been um, really contributing in the scoring assists on the box score. So really excited to see that there's a freshman that's incoming that also has the ability to make an impact for this team. Um, and aside from that, you know, I saw online that uh, this foreign tour has offered also offered um, some other benefits as well. Nika Mule's parents got to see her play in person um, for the first time in more than three years. You know, what kind of uh, other off the court benefits uh, does a foreign tour have for a team? Yeah, it looks like they're having a great time. They've been posting pictures. Gino or Emma was rocking a fedora looking yes. pretty, pretty wild. Um, but I think that, you know, it, the the things that people talked about when I was interviewing the, the players and the staff was just, it's a great opportunity mostly off the court for team building. There's some new players. Uh, they're getting to visit Nika Mule's um, family. And, and, you know, in her words, she's introducing her Yukon family to her Croatia family. And, and it just shows that there's a closeness with this team. Um, 
you know, when you travel abroad together, you have to try new things together, figure out, you know, um, all the logistics of a, of a tour. And, and Gino kind of mentioned that you really see who the leaders are, who the um, players on the team are that bring people together. And, and it really teaches you a lot about the chemistry of your team. So I think honestly, um, there's going to be some on-court action and there has been already, but I, really the benefit is going to be what's happening off the court, this team bonding, getting to learn together and explore together and really kind of build some chemistry heading into the season. Uh, and of course, you know, aside from UConn's foreign tour, other Big East teams uh, took foreign tours as well. Marquette going to Italy and Greece. Uh, they recently returned within the last week. Um, so, you know, oh, and uh, St. John's going to, uh, Italy and Greece, they, they just came back a couple of days ago. Um, do you think that going on a foreign tour can give uh, teams a little extra advantage, you know, having those uh, extra practices before they leave? And then uh, obviously that team building, not only on the court, but off the court as well. Definitely. I think, you know, the, the on the court piece is that, you know, international basketball, you have to be prepared for a lot of different things. Nika Mule joked, um, you know, obviously, Nika Mule's never committed a foul in her career, so she jokes that the physicality in Croatia is kind of what led her to play physically. And so I think there's an adjustment you have to make. It teaches you how to make adjustments, in-game adjustments, but also to kind of get prepared through the scout for different types of basketball. So I think that's the benefit. But then, yeah, like I mentioned, the off-court piece, you really can't... Um, recreate that you know that the going abroad together as a team learning together having the chance to just um really gel as a, as a group of people before the season begins so i think that those teams really have a benefit you know having that in their preseason and i love to see teams around the country doing it it's like being a student athlete is a really small window of your life so being able to have a once in a lifetime opportunity like that to travel abroad with your teammates is is pretty special and i think is beneficial to a team as they kind of approach the upcoming season. And if you want to know, for our listeners, if you want to know more about more of the teams that took uh, or are taking foreign tours in 2023, Arjun Hatfield uh, published a great piece about it um, and outlines all the different teams and when they went and where they went uh, that was published back in June. Uh, so go check that out as well. Coming up next, T will break down how each new co head coach at uh, Big East arrived there and the challenges and opportunities they face this season. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue? You know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year, and that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use the cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or in gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED.
Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Every day, stay tuned tomorrow to hear from Alex Simon from the Bay Area News Group. So T, as you've written about, Georgetown, Xavier, and Providence all have new coaches coming into the East, uh, heading into the 2023-2024 season, taking them one at a time. How did each one of them come to join their current school? Sure. Well, starting with uh, Providence coach Erin Bath, um, she most recently coached as an assistant under Kim Barnes-Arico at Michigan, and prior to that had a stint um, at NC State under Wes Moore, so has really coached under coaches with some really um, strong, high-pedigree coaches who have success, who have um, regular runs to the NCAA tournament and compete in really competitive conferences. So she's been a longtime assistant coach, um, was a student athlete herself, and um she joined Providence as their next head coach as her first head coaching gig and, um, you know, was hired to replace Jim Crowley after um, a difficult few seasons. And I think really is excited to kind of take on her first head coaching role. Um, Billy Chambers, who's the new head coach at Xavier, um, she comes from Iona as a head coach where she found a lot of success. She was a two-time MAC regular season and two-time MAC uh, conference tournament champion. So she found some success in that conference as well as being named the MAC coach of the year for two times. And so she's been recognized for her head coaching abilities, has that experience and is really hoping to uh, turn around an Xavier program. And then Tasha Butts, some of you may remember her as a Tennessee alum, um, from around 2000 to 2004. I certainly remember her playing and she got after it on defense. She was a strong rebounder, all the things that, you know, Pat Summit instilled in her, but she's coached at a lot of different places an assistant, including UCLA, LSU, and Georgia Tech. So she's coached at some high caliber schools in some high caliber conferences and um, now has the opportunity to join the Big East as the head coach of Georgetown. And, you know, what challenges and opportunities do they all face heading into this next season um, where the Big East, you know, always a competitive conference? Well, there's a lot of room for improvement at all the programs, um, starting with Coach Bath at Providence. I think, um, you know, she's kind of coming into a a Providence program that's um, had a difficult couple seasons, you know, has a... um, has room to grow in terms of like people attending games and and fans um, showing out for the team. Providence men's basketball has a huge following here in Providence where I live. And I think the women's basketball program has the potential to really grow into something that fans around here can follow. And I think she's really interested in, in bringing that, um, level of play to the team, which will bring fans in and kind of turn around the program. So I think she has the opportunity to kind of put Providence on a, a different field in the Big East. They're kind of hovering in the, in the bottom tier now, and I think she wants more for that program. Um, Billy Chambers um, can only really go up in Big East play. Her team, uh, Xavier, that she inherited, did not win a single Big East game last season and really struggled. So she's in the position of a total rebuild, trying to find players that fit her culture, her style, and um, you know is, is really in the position of having a a program that can be built in her vision and and really be turned around. And then I think with Tasha Butts, you know, she is um, a coach that, like I said, has the, 
playing pedigree at, at Tennessee has had a lot of various assistant coaching experiences, and she wants to bring the Georgetown women's basketball program to pro, uh, prominence. Um, she mentioned that there's some legendary both players and folks in the basketball world who went to Georgetown, including, you know, analyst Monica McNutt at ESPN, but also five-time WNBA champion Rebecca Brunson and WNBA veteran Sugar Rogers. So she knows that this program has some history, um, and she wants to bring that program back to that place. And she's really passionate about doing that. And so I think each of these coaches steps into a unique opportunity to be on teams on the rebuild. And it's just a fresh energy in a conference um, that is on, on really an upward trajectory. I think um, the fact that three coaches were, were fired last season and three were rehired um, really speaks to the fact that there's a, com a competitive change in the Big East um, that is forcing these programs to invest in, in new coaches and really um, turn these programs around to be competitive. And I think everyone should check out the stories that you've written um, on each of these new head coaches, but to give everyone kind of a little teaser for those, what makes each coach unique and what, what unique things do they bring? Well, starting with Coach Bath at Providence, like I said, she was a student athlete herself. She played in the W, um, or at least was drafted for um, some time. So she's had that professional experience as well. Um, she's a first-time head coach, really trying to uh, raise the profile of her team. The first thing I can say about her is when her opening press conference, she just has a really dynamic energy. Um, you know, she's stepping into a program um, that also just hired a new men's basketball coach. And the two of them are really kind of joining forces to create a different culture um, at Providence. So I think she just is a really um, family oriented coach. She really wants to get to know her players. She mentioned that in her opening remarks and um, is really interested in building that team family culture at Providence. I think with Billy Chambers, the first thing that, you know, really stuck out to me was how much of an X is an O coach she is. I think she was breaking down already the scout for all the teams across the Big East. And she's excited to play in a conference that is known for its X's and O's, its schemes. It's really um, elite coaching. And she wants to jump into that and, and kind of um, instill in her team that um, fundamental basketball that will be successful in the Big East. And then with Tasha Butts, like I mentioned, she's a Tennessee alum. She carries that tradition of Pat Summit in her heart every day. We talked about it when we met. Um, you know, she talks about Pat Summit's definite dozen, which are, you know, her 12 rules for a successful life that she instilled in all of her Tennessee coaches, uh, players. And Butts is really committed to carrying that legacy. And, and just to see the coaching tree um, of Pat Summit, you know, includes um, Kara Lawson at Duke. It includes uh, Kelly Harper at Tennessee, Tasha Butts. There's just this legacy that we know Pat Summit has created in this game. And to see those um, coaches stepping into that legacy, but also making it their own is really special. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, and obviously she's had some rivalries as a player against Gino. Um, and so now it'll be interesting to see her on the opposing sideline. And, you know, before we move on to um, our next segment, talking about the players, um, you know, seeing a trio um, of new coaches come into the Big East, not something that happens very often. Um, what are you overall most excited um, to see from the three of them as a group? I think as a group, I'm just really excited to see, um, in particular, these women taking these roles because they have um, 
basketball experience. I think they're younger coaches. They are importantly, all three of them are black women. And I think it's really important that in um, college sports and women's basketball, where um, a majority of players are black women. And we know that that's what it's like on the professional level too. It's so important to have role models who are black women, who are women. Um, and I think we're seeing that in the, the coaching landscape, not just more women in, in leadership, but black women in leadership. And I think it's incredibly important. Um, we need coaches to be representative of the players they teach. And I'm just excited to see the Big East embracing that and um, really investing in women in, in these roles. So I'm excited to just see this new energy, um, three incredibly talented, experienced women taking the leadership roles. And I'm just really excited to see how they turn their programs around. Oh, I'm just so excited for Big East basketball. I know it's August, but November is coming up soon. And coming up next, we'll talk about uh, the notable new players uh, that we'll be seeing in the Big East next season. Okay, so there's one person that I know I want to talk about, but who are some of the new faces that have caught your eye that people should keep an eye on uh, this season? Well, I mentioned her earlier. Um, I am very excited to see uh, UConn freshman KK Arnold step into her role. I mean, she just really is an energetic presence. Um, she actually did a little dance for the media um, when we interviewed her. So she just is, is infectious with her energy. She's a gifted point guard. Um, I've already seen the way that she's able to contribute in UConn's exhibition games overseas. And I'm really excited to see how she fits into UConn's rotation and, um, you know, thrives as a freshman and, and kind of sets her foundation for the kind of player she wants to be in college. And uh, we'll talk about her more in a second, um, but one player that I'm really excited to see uh, is Bernaya Mayo, who spent um, time at UMass and who has now transferred to St. John's. I think she's really going to fit in there, um, but just her offensively, defensively, um, you know, she's only about five, listed at five, six, um, haven't measured her myself or anything, um, but I think she was kind of underestimated uh, and then really showed the A-10 what she has. So I'm excited to see her take that next step at St. John's and see what she can do offensively and defensively as well. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, your loss in the A-10 is, is my gain <laughs> in the Big East. So um, being able to see her come into St. John's is, is really exciting, I think. Um, you know, St. John's had a very successful season last year. They they started off with a program best 12-0 start. They reached the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2016. And that was really because of transfers that head coach uh, J Joe Tardamella brought in. Um, lots of their success can go, you know, be attributed to key transfers they had like Mimi Reed and Jillian Archer. And to see them bring in another transfer to um, replace outgoing guard Kadeja Bailey is, is really promising. I think you know, we're learning increasingly in, in the transfer portal era that you got to kind of get with it. You know, we saw it with LSU coach Kim Mulkey. She built a national championship contender team in one season by taking in transfers. And the reality is that's a big part of team building. And I think um, St. John's coach Tardamella is on the sort of front end of that curve, realizes that you can turn around your squad pretty easily with already talented players who have college experience. So 
this is another example of him doing that. And I'm really excited to see how, um, how Mayo pr produces in the Big East. I think it's a different um, challenge for her and, and it's an opportunity for her to step into some really competitive basketball. So you talk about uh, St. John's and, and the transfers, you know, do you think they will be the team most impacted by transfers this year? Or is there someone else in the Big East? I think that to me, that's the biggest transfer. Um, you know, Bernaya Mayo is a very, very talented player. And, and I think that's kind of how Joe Tartamel is building his um, roster. I think, you know, when you ask who will be most impacted by transfers, I think they will be most positively impacted by transfers. I think DePaul will probably be most negatively impacted by transfers. They lost a lot of players to the portal. So there's winners and losers, and, and I think it goes season by season. Um, notably, Anissa Morrow, who was, um, you know, one of the top scorers in the nation, automatic double-double, was, was a really talented player that played for DePaul under head coach Doug Bruno transferred to LSU. Like, you know, I mentioned Kim Mulkey's all over that, that transfer portal, but if I have to say who would be most impacted, it would probably be DePaul and that would be a negative impact, unfortunately. So, you know, Doug Bruno is an elite head coach. He's been in this business for decades. So he'll have something up his sleeve to make his players kind of come together and, and produce a solid product out there. But the loss of Anissa Morrow hurts and that's a big loss. And so I think that um, DePaul was pretty negatively impacted by the transfer portal this off season. And then of course, T, I have to ask, you know, what stories are you currently working on? So related to this work, um, doing my Big East preview, you mentioned that we are in the off season, but November is fast approaching. And the sooner I write my preview, the bigger, uh, the more of a reality that'll become. So I'm, I'm embracing writing up some of these things I talked about today for our readers and just previewing you all for another season of Big East basketball. But also, um, you know, as as you and I work on Natalie and is really close to our hearts is, is continuing to write um, stories about the Women's uh, Professional Basketball League or the WBL, which was the first women's professional basketball league in the country. And we've had the chance to talk to so many WBLers um, over the past year or so and, and create content like podcasts and stories. Um, and my upcoming story is about um, Kathy DeBoer. Um, she played for a few different teams in the WBL and, and um, played for Michigan State um, around the Title IX era. And she's has an incredible story fighting for equal rights in Title IX. Um, but also these days she's fighting for the creation of um, more professional domestic opportunities for professional volleyball players. She spent her career after the WBL coaching volleyball, and now she's in sort of the administrative side of some professional leagues. And I just was really inspired to hear the way that the women of the WBL who were on the forefront of women's sports in our country are still continuing to push the envelope on that. So really excited to publish that story. And um, I know that um, you recently interviewed um, Gail Marquis, um, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So um, very excited to hear, you know, very excited to hear that you did that and, and just honor um, the legends of our game. Oh, definitely. That is a great reminder uh, for me that I need to start outlining my uh, A-10 uh, season preview um, and also get to work on my uh, WBL stuff as well. I am so excited to read that story. And for our listeners, make sure you check that out uh, coming out soon, but also go back and listen to yesterday's podcast featuring Gail Marquis, um, really a, such a lovely person with a, a great story and so many stories to tell. 
Well, thank you for joining me today, T. Where can the people find you and your work? So um, in our changing social media landscape, I guess you can find me on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter at, at M-X-T-E-E Baker. Um, you can also find me on Instagram or threads at, at T-Baker underscore W-B-B. And yeah, I'll be posting, um, you know, updates throughout this season of, of my um, coverage of Big East basketball. Um, and I always kind of try to keep up with um, other trends around, around women's basketball on behalf of the next. So uh, thanks for asking and checking me out. Make sure uh, everyone go follow T uh, on the social media platforms. Uh, and thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Every dayers, make sure to tune in tomorrow for a special Friday episode from Alex Simon of the Bay Area News Group.